Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the Good Gardening Stroll shortly. But right now, if you have questions, concerns, or comments about your plant material, your lawn, your trees, your shrubs, your houseplants, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And Mr. Kelly, good to see you again. Good to be seen. Wow. <laughs> you don't look that much different. How, how long were you gone? A I year? was gone, I think, three weeks. Oh, I thought it was a year. Well, it felt like a year <laughs> somewhat, especially getting back in the saddle going, what, what is that button for? What does that mean? <laughs> yes. The other day I, I came in the first time, I, sh- I almost thought about wearing a name tag. I said, hi, I'm Brian. <laughs> nice to meet you. I barely recognize you because you changed so much. I know. Well, it's been a while. I had, uh, I did, I went to Florida for a funeral, ended up getting COVID when I got back. And so I spent uh, about nine days battling that. Wow. Very interesting. It was. uh, So what are the symptoms? For me, I had fever one day for a little while and a lot of head congestion for about one day, about day and a half. And then it was just feeling like I, you know how you feel when you're getting the flu? That's what it felt like. Just not feeling good. Yeah, just bleh, you know. And some days I felt like I was getting better and maybe the next day I could go back to work. And then the next day I'd wake up and I'd feel worse than the day before. The worst day pretty much was like the second last day, third last day I had it. Whoa. I felt terrible. Didn't do a thing. Wow. So it was really weird. Yeah, really strange. And uh, and then as soon as I got over that, I went to Colorado for a few days. <laughs> Went to a concert, so it was. Uh, so that was fun. That was a good part of the trip. Yeah, I don't know if I was supposed to go. <laughs> no, I've been over it for about ten days now, so we should be good. Okay, hopefully, yeah. Just don't get too close. I won't. Okay, never. Great. Good to see you. Good to be back. Yes, folks. It is Saturday morning. We have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting your plant material, and whether you need to improve the soil before you do any in new planting, or how do you plant. What's the correct way of planting so you don't have problems with the plants that you're planting? And uh, please use the information I share with you to kind of orchestrate, hopefully, and solidify your options with the final judgment of the action you're going to take is going to be on your shoulders. And this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car, wherever you happen to be listening. 
Another very important player is Drew. He's two weeks in a row now. He's produced the the Garden Hotline, and uh, he's already going to start planting all kinds of stuff. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm Mike Miller, and I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. That was in the last century. I can come to your home and do landscape consultation if you'd like for me to. You, I call it a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, on the homepage. There's my email address and phone number. Today after the show, I'm headed to Ledoux to uh, meet somebody that I haven't seen for a while, but I've known for a long time. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Holly Hills Boulevard, between Morgan Ford and Christie. There's a green way that goes right down the center of the two lanes that are on each side of the greenway. And uh, on the Morgan Ford Inn, which is the east end, there's a cluster of knockout roses and some pampas grass. You don't see pampas grass too much anymore, but it is there and uh, it doesn't look too bad. It's one of the tallest ornamental grasses. Lawn does dominate the space, and historically there was all kinds of uh, ash trees along there. But with the emerald ash borer, they just started taking the trees down, and then there's not one ash tree left. But the first tree that you'll meet from Morgan Ford down towards Christie Boulevard is going to be a redbud tree. And it's got some pods on it, so it had spring flowers. Then there's going to be some, uh, a lot of bald cypress with the blue cones. It's not the classic-looking pine cone, but... All kinds of things. A lot of new trees have been planted. Many of them are oaks, and there's other, you know, other oak starter trees and other, you know, bald cypress along the way. There's some tulip trees as well. There's some clumps of maiden grasses. There is uh, at the Tilden cut through. There's boxwood planted. Tilden is a street, and uh, there's uh, boxwood iris. Pasta, maiden grass. There's a pink rose in there, and it's a surprise. Lily's going. Well, I'm not open like some of them are, but I'm going to be opening real soon. And then there's a new row of various conifers and broadleaf evergreens that run down the center. That somebody's trying to make it look uh, very interesting, but they've they're having real difficulty there. And I think a lot of it has to do with the existing tree roots because there are some big mature trees along there. The new plants are just not having a really good time with life just kind of in general. And if you go down all the way down to Wanda, that's not all the way down, but it's close to the Christie Boulevard. But at Wanda intersection, you're going to see magnolias, upright junipers, and uh, all kinds of other things. Then at Christie Boulevard, there's going to be spreading junipers, some viburnums, some hosta, some hydrangeas, some daylilies. And uh, this is where the Christie Greenway begins as well. And that heads downhill from there to River de Pere. And as I was walking back towards my car, acorns were dropping off the trees. And uh, it was kind of creating a nice musical beat to all the bird sounds that were all over the place. There was a squirrel sitting on a, on a branch. And he kept chuck, 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 chuck. He wanted me out of there. He didn't want me coming around because he had a bunch of branches or twigs that he wanted to cut off. So one of the oak trees had all kinds of squirrel prunings there. So if you got an oak tree and you see a bunch of, uh, let's say, twigs six or eight inches long, and they're cut at like 45-degree angles, that's a squirrel. So this squirrel says, please, 
get moving. You're really disgusting me. And uh, this is my place, and it's too early in the morning for you to be here. So Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Sorry, I was messing around with some papers. Anyway, uh, guess what, folks? This is August, and this is a time of year when you should start thinking about putting a pre-emergent down. It's a little bit early. You want to do it towards mid-August to late August. And what that pre-emergent does is control the annual weeds that are cool-season weeds. The weeds that are growing right now annual-wise are the warm-season weeds. But the cool-season weeds, they're just the seeds are just laying there waiting unless you put pre-emergent down previously, but then you can still get weed seeds as a result of wind on the bottom of shoes, all kinds of other ways. And even if you have like a professional mowing service, sometimes they can bring in some weed seeds on the mower blades unless they clean their mowers after each home they've been to. So just realize that uh, mid to late August is when you put the pre-emergent down to control the cool season annual weeds that will start germinating. Let's head over to Curtis Yard. Curtis, how are you today? Good morning, sir. Good morning. Yeah, my question, I guess why I got many questions. First, thank you for your show. Love your show. I didn't know you had been on since 94. That's amazing. Glad to see it. Glad to know it. And I hope you can be here forever, man. This good show. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, you just have no idea what you mean to St. Louis. Um, my first question is, I've got a tree in my yard that a friend told me is an oak tree. I don't know if that's true or not, but what I'm getting now is I have little, what well, looks like the seedlings from that tree, like a, 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 like something fell, like a seed fell, and the plant starts to grow, and are popping up all over my yard. I was trying to just either cut them out or pull them out, but it's like they're just popping up all over the place, and I was wondering, is there anything that would kill those without killing the grass? Uh, basically, what you can do is because lawn is a narrow blade, and the, I'm assuming what this is is probably acorns that squirrels are planting in your yard. Because if the acorns, this if this is an oak tree and the oak tree is dropping the acorns, they're not really going to germinate unless they get down into the soil. But that's you know that's how squirrels perpetuate oak trees for the future. Is they know enough or they got smart enough way back when to start you know digging holes and dropping those acorns down in there. So what you can use to control them is you can use a broadleaf weed killer if you don't want to pull them up. I don't know how many there are or anything else. But a broadleaf weed killer, as long as you watch out temperature-wise, read the label and everything else, should not adversely impact your lawn at all. But it should kill anything that has a broadleaf as opposed to a narrow leaf like lawn does. Beautiful. Okay. I'm just one of the box stores. I'm going to grab some of that. And then real quick, what I got you is I found that my, I think I might have overplanted this year because everything seems to be coming in real late. Uh, my zucchinis are coming in late. My cucumbers are real slow. And so are my tomatoes and cauliflower. You have, have you heard anybody else say that they're having a late, late season or is that just something I may have done wrong in my planting? No, I don't think you've done anything wrong. I think this weather has just been so crazy and so goofy and when there was so much rain, that means there's cloud cover and there's not the sun. So the plants, you know, the vegeta- the edibles that you're talking about, 
need really as much sun as possible all day long every day, and it's just they just didn't get it, and so consequently they're out of sequence. Okay, real good. Okay, well, I'll just leave them and let them do what they do until they can't do it anymore. Right, But I'm exactly. going to look at your website and try to have you come up to the yard so as I get ready for my fall planting, I can do it with some professional advice rather than just going off the interweb and, you know, my friends that think they know. <laughs> well, your friends you probably again, know. Sir. God bless you, man, and just keep doing what you do. Well, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, again, uh, the cool season annual weeds that are going to be emerging, you know, that are going to start sprouting from seed mid to late August are like henbit, dead nettle, chickweed, annual bluegrass, speedwell, rabbitfoot clover, shepherd's purse are the main ones. The ones that are growing now are the warm season weeds. And what they did is they germinated when the uh, yellow forsythia was blooming. But the warm season weeds that are obvious right now are spurge, ragweed, purslane, knotweed, lamb's quarter, black medic, carpetweed, crabgrass, barnyard grass, goosegrass, foxtail, and the violets, of course, which drive everybody nuts. But uh, And there's a few other ones as well. But that's two different kinds of weed situations, cool season and warm season, and it's all related to when the seeds will germinate. So let's head now over to Kurt's yard. Hi, Kurt. Hello, Mike. Hi. I got a question for you. I got a um, a grouping of, I think these are maple trees. It looks like there's three or four of them together. Rather uh, old, I guess they've been here 20, 30 years maybe. Anyway, um, there's ivy growing on these trees. Does, is that going to harm them? Because I get people telling me I should take that ivy off. Uh, basically it only becomes problematic when it starts going out over the branches, but just climbing the, tr- the actual tree trunks, that's not trouble for whether it's a type of ivy, whether it's a euonymus or anything else is not really problematic for the tree. It's only when it goes out over the branches and why that's problematic is because then it shadows the leaves and the leaves are what make the food to keep the tree healthy. So when there's not as much sun hitting the leaves, then that's trouble for the tree. I got you. Okay, thanks. And then, so I can do some, if I have that problem of it growing out over the branches, I suppose I can try to do some selective pruning on the ivory to, you know, kill off those, uh, you know, vines that are going out over the branches. Right, you could do that, or if you're really worried about it, and you want to you know, keep your neighbors happy, you can just actually, it's got to be, I'm assuming it's coming up and climbing the trunk, correct? Or is it? Right, yeah, yeah. So you can yeah. just cut it off, you know, pull the stem off the tree trunk just a little bit and just snip it close to the ground, and that would mean everything above that will just die off. Okay, very good. And maybe a suggestion I have for you, I don't know if this can be done or not, but I would like, you know, when we're talking about the issue I have today, it would have been nice to be able to send you a picture of it, you know, and so you can see it while we're talking about it. But is there there a way that can be arranged? No, I don't think so. I don't think uh, we're able to, we don't, I mean, I'm sure this, all this computers and everything else could happen here, but it'd be a little bit difficult just kind of in general for the producer to have to be able to do that. I got you. All right. Thanks a lot. I appreciate your time. Sure. My pleasure. 
And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you have questions, concerns, or comments. And uh, start watching out also as days will get, I mean, it is really, well, you heard the forecast, how it's still going to be really hot and really humid. But sooner or later, it's going to start cooling down a little bit. And some of the voles and mice and things like that are going to start, you know, freaking out, realizing, well, I better, you know, find some food. I better eat something. I better do this. I better do that in preparation for going into more or less, a, you know, kind of a quasi-hibernation type thing. So uh, just if you've had problems with rabbits or chipmunks or voles or mice or anything else, there are have a heart type traps where you can trap them and it doesn't kill them. But there are, you know, there are traps that, uh, you know, are spikes for like moles and things like that. So you can kill them that way. So just realize that there's various ways to get, uh, you know, this, you know, get a situation where you don't necessarily want that particular wildlife in your landscape just in general. And speaking of landscape, and if you live in an area, in the metropolitan area, which there are plenty that have deer problems, just realize that some, there's there are certain plant material that are much more attractive to the deer than other ones are. Now, these are some of the t- trees that are least attractive to the deer. So that would be uh, vitex, witch hazel, this, this woodies, it's not just trees, it's shrubs as well. Witch hazel, hypericum, blue spruce, Rosa Sharon, paperbark birch, American holly, hawthorns, gold thread branch cypress, oak leaf hydrangea, and ginkgo trees. So out of the woody plant material, they are the least. But if it's a severe winter, they're going to go after and you know chew on pretty much anything. Just realize that that is the case. So uh, other things that uh, are least are not as attractive to the to uh, the deer, bulb-wise, alliums, crocus, glory of snow, snowdrops, hyacinth, grape hyacinths, uh, fritillaria, and daffodils. So they just don't really want to munch on those kind of things. Just keep that in mind. And then annual-wise, marigolds, lantana, globe amaranthus, and snapdragons and cleome are the least attractive as far as if they got a choice, they're going to eat other than what those particular plant materials are. And I was at a house up on, you know, Mr. Joseph lives in Florissant, and I was at his house, and he has done a great job. He built the house about 50 years ago. He's been maintaining the landscape, the lawn. His fescue lawn was absolutely fantastic. And one thing, though, he... uh, his, you know, design-wise, he's really loves boxwood, so he's put quite a few boxwood in. But he's had a couple trees put in around his back patio. And what happened is they planted these trees. Uh, landscape or a nursery actually came in and planted them. But they planted them right at grade. So, in other words, the top of the root ball wasn't higher than the surrounding ground. So, as a result, by planting at grade, that's, you know, the root ball sank. And then these trees started declining. So he had picked these trees because of he liked the you know multiple seasonal aspects of these. They were really a, a grafted crab apple is what they were. So it was just it was kind of depressing. He, he really didn't understand what had happened. But as soon as I saw that depression around the trunk, I knew that it had sunk. And then with irrigation or all the rainwater we've had, 
then the root system on both of them had just died. So it was really kind of sad to see. So let's head now over to Jerry's yard. Jerry, how are you today? Hello. Hi. Uh, Mike, uh, could you tell me something about the uh, problems that ground groundhogs ha- may cause? We have one wandering around every so often, and it's been eating uh, some some of my recent plantings. I had uh, planted some groundsel, and it seems to like that one. So <laughs> I'm I'm wondering. Um, what kind of damage other than that uh, can it do, um, and how would you suggest um, you know, averting the problem? Basically, you're going to have to have a professional service come out and trap it. But what they're doing now is about all the damage that the groundhogs do, because they're not going to dig a you know a tunnel or a, you know a burrow or oh. anything else in your yard. There, I don't know what you know how close you are to creeks or something like that, but usually they're you know kind of in open spaces or spaces that are not inhibited or inhabited by people. And uh, other than <laughs> yeah. that, uh, you know, there's not really too much. They don't do a whole lot of super damage other than the fact that they do tunnel and things like that. But it's usually it's never that I know of in people's yards. We live across the street from Christie Park. And when we first moved in there, Several years ago, there was a groundhog that lived in the park, and finally, I don't know if he was trapped or he just decided to move <laughs> down the, you know, down the hill on the and Christie yeah. Greenway or something. But uh, he's yeah. no longer there. Well, we live on the uh, edge of Rockwoods Reservation, ah. and and we're uh, up on a slope, so. Um, and there, so there's a wildlife trail. You know, we do have deer and oh, rabbits and no turtles, and pretty much uh, we've adjusted to them, and I guess they've adjusted to us. So uh, we try to uh, accommodate all of this by getting the right plants to plant. But um, the the groundhog just uh, overwhelmed me. I mean, it it stretched itself out on the tall retaining wall. And I thought this is this is getting too relaxed with this thing. I don't know what. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Unless he wants to pay rent. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, anyway, I just thought uh, you might have some experience with it and recommend a uh, a good way to deal with it. Yeah, it's. I mean, the repellents and things like that. That's really a difficult situation with the groundhogs because. They're a little bit erratic about when and everything else. So what you might do is if there's particular plants that they are, you know, causing you trouble with is get yeah. a, a short stake and, you know, start hanging a couple uh, bars of Irish Spring soap and see if that will help. <laughs> the smell repels a lot of the wildlife. They hate the smell of that stuff. Oh, well, uh, I might just plant some more of my uh um, lambs quarter, la- lambs ears. Yes, right. They they have. Uh, someone told me they have a chemical in them that repels uh, much of the wildlife. So I might just try that too. I I don't. You know, we want the wildlife to live, but right. you know, I wish it would take up residence elsewhere. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the smell of the Irish Spring soap. You know, I always I recommend that for right. you know to hang from trees. As far as the deer don't like that smell either. So, you know, yeah. it's just it's just saying, please go down to somebody else's yard. <laughs> 
You have a good day. I very much appreciate your program, Mike, and uh, take care. Well, thank you. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. KMOX Weekend at your service, sponsored by Air Comfort Service Heating and Cooling. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We're getting to the time of the year. Fall is by far the best time of year to plant material. The reason for that is because the ground is warm due to summertime, of course. And then the plant material that you're installing also then gets to go to sleep. But then while it's going to sleep, the root system is still, because the ground is warm, is going to get established. And that's versus the springtime where the ground is really cold. And then once, you know, spring is over, cold ground, Finally, some of the roots start growing a little bit, but then it's facing our summertime, and you saw what this past summer has been like, and who knows, we still got some summertime left, and what's going to happen with that. Also, when you're planting any kind of woody plant material, just be cautious about excessive amount of fertilization. So when you're installing the plant material, don't put fertilizer down in the hole with the plants that you're installing. That's not good for the plant material at all. And whether it's nitrogen or anything else, just don't do it. And that's, you know, going to have an adverse effect or adverse impact on your plant material, your woody plant material. So yearly fertilizations with a complete fertilizer without soil testing also could create some problems as well. So just realize that fertilizer is not the answer you know, to many of the situations historically where people think that you always put fertilizer in the hole with your plant material or, you know, just keep doing the same fertilization and your phosphorus and potassium levels get too high. That's why soil testing is so important. Let's head over to Sue's yard. Hi, Sue. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, We had a sugar maple uh, planted last fall and it came in uh, this Spring, it had the leaves and everything, but by the end of June, it started changing colors on us, and the leaves were dropping. Um, my concern is, is it just dying, or will it come back next year? Like, there's only about 30% of the green leaves left on it. It's probably okay. It's probably just, you know, because of the way our weather's been. It's been so hot. It's been so wet. It's been so this. It's been so that. And that's maybe what the situation is. What you can do is after, let's say, you know, fall is here and everything else, just go out and just kind of some of those small ends of the branches, just see if they're flexible. If the twigs are brittle and they snap, then that's not a good sign. But uh, I'm just thinking that, you know, with our crazy weather, this, you know, this poor tree uh, just said, yikes, you know, and... You think, well, it's going to be at a nursery, but the nursery, you know, has them above, a lot of times above ground in situations like that. So hopefully it was installed correctly with the top of the root ball above the surrounding ground. And it's not in a depression like I was talking about the gentleman that lived in Florissant had, you know, had the trouble mm-hmm. with his tree. So that's, uh, okay. you just have to kind of keep your fingers crossed. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hello, Bill. Hey, uh, yeah, Mike. 
uh, I got a question about my lawn. I got a fescue lawn, and uh, I have a sprinkler system that kicks on every morning about 4 o'clock. But my question is, uh, and it's in the lawn is, in spite of the seat, the lawn is in pretty good shape, real good shape, except for what I think might be fungus spots. There's about about six, eight inches diameter. These black spots are, I mean, these brown spots are jumping up in different parts of the yard. I'm wondering if that could be a fungus, and if it is, what I could use to uh, stop it. Uh, it could be a fungus. Do you have a magnifying glass? Yeah. Okay. What you need to do is just get down on your hands and knees and the the transitional area where it's brown going to uh-huh. green, just look at it with a magnifying glass. And if this is a fungus, you should see right at that transitional point kind of fuzzy, furry, grayish-looking stuff. And that's going to you know indicate to you that – this is a fungus problem, but uh, other really? yes. Uh, now you don't have a, any kind of dogs, do you? Uh, I do, but it's it's not the dog going potty out there. I mean, he uh, she's going in a different area, uh, but no, it's not the dog, you know, wetting on the lawns causing it. Okay, uh, she doesn't go in that area, but it's the lawn looks great. It's it's green, but in the past month, I guess these. And they're multiplying. The spots are multiplying. And they don't seem to be going together. There's a spot here, spot there, spot here. Right. And do you cut your own grass? Yes. I mean, even when you're just out there walking, you can get, you know, fungus on the bottom of your shoes, and you can spread it around yourself if this is truly a fungus situation. If is if you know, if you find that, you know, you realize that it is a fungus situation, I just Uh dig, you know, just go to your favorite garden center and tell them what you've got with this, you know, with the fescue. Because summertime uh-huh. is extremely, you know, stressful for any kind of for bluegrass or fescues. And uh-huh. you know, as we come out of uh, the heat of the summertime and the weather starts cooling down, they should perk back up. But those spots, may, you may end up having to rake them and put some uh, grass seed down with some compost. But, but I mean, I thought about raking them, but that that, that that wouldn't necessarily spread it, would it, or not? Well, not necessarily. But uh, I'd go. I probably wouldn't go ahead and do that until it's t- the time of month, which is going to be later on this month and into September, for putting the seed down. Okay. Okay. And one one other quick question. Uh, I got around the edges, like along the street. Where the uh, lawn meets the gutter at the street, there's what I what I would call water grass, and I uh, the regular weed killer uh, weed be gone I put on there doesn't doesn't kill that, and it's starting to spread a little bit too around the edges of the lawn and and along the driveway. Uh, it's kind of it's a broadleaf grass type, so would weed eater I mean weed be gone work on that, or is that just another type of grass? Well, not, if it's I'm water. I'm calling it water grass, but I'm not sure what it is. It's just a, a broadleaf grass that comes up, and it's in clumps. And uh, would would be gone. Weed be gone doesn't seem to be working on that. Is well, if it, if these things are grass, if they have grass blades, weed be gone won't work. So you're saying it's grass, but then you're saying it has broadleaf weed or leaves. Well, not leaves. I meant I didn't mean to say leaves. It's just a broad. It, it's it's broader than my fescue. 
I mean, it's a different type of grass, and it's coming up in, in clump, you know, uh, like six or eight inch diameter clumps, and it's, it spreads. Yeah, I mean, it, I, might, it might be crabgrass, it might be goosegrass, it might be one of those type of things. So, okay. no, a broadleaf weed killer won't kill that just because it has blades that are wider than a normal, let's say, desirable type lawn. So it's going to. Okay. How would I get rid of that then? Do I just pull it up, or what do you do with that? Well, that you of... can pull it up because if you use an herbicide on it, it can impact you know the surrounding lawn in that situation too. Okay. Okay, sir. I appreciate. And one other quick question. I'll let you go. I'm sorry. Uh, the sprinkler system. I got it kicking on at four in the morning. Is that that's is that the better idea than doing it in the evening? Is that? Oh, yeah, definitely. If you do it in the evening, you're really setting up a scenario for creating a fungus problem. But, uh, I, you know, right. 4 o'clock is, you know, you just want to make sure that, you know, the watering is all done before about, a, you know, 10 or 11 in the morning in the heat of the summertime. Okay, great. That's the way I got it. All right, thanks, Mike. Great. Thanks. Thank you. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, and uh, with these uh, you know, individual clumps of weedy grasses, the an- probably you know, the annual weed, weed grasses that I was talking about, the crabgrass and stuff, you can actually get an herbicide like Roundup and just paint it right on that, you know, that lump or that clump of that particular grass and it'll kill it. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got a few more minutes in this hour, and then we got another full hour after that. Oh, my goodness gracious. Let's head over to, where should we go? Let's go over to David's yard. Hi, David. How are you today? I'm, I'm good. I'm got a large area that uh, I'm going to establish a, a new uh, seeded lawn fescue lawn it's about 15,000 square feet it's been yeah it's been just bare dirt um for a since so the first of july so with all this rain i mean the weeds have just exploded right okay which is no surprise all right so i got my worker guy coming over later today 
I was going to try to wait until late August to kill these weeds off, give it a week, and then, you know, seed it, okay? Prep it and seed it. But I think this thing has gotten so crazy that it's just going to shed new weed seeds and really make this a big, bigger problem. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So, in other words, go start going after this stuff ASAP. Well, that's what we're going to do. So here's my question. And some of these weeds are, like, up to my waist. Sure. It looks like I'm looking, I'm looking at it right now, as you can imagine. So would you mow those – would you mow this area, then apply the weed killer, or would you apply the weed killer without mowing it because the weed would have more surface area, more leaf area? Yeah, I would – you know, this sounds like it's going to be a, a total crazy nightmare for you, but I would go ahead – and just apply the uh, herbicide as you know to the weeds as they are right now. I mean, if you if you mow it, you know that's fine. But uh, like you said, there's less leaf surface because you've cut all of it off, and then consequently, yeah. just make sure that you get a systemic type weed killer that's going to kill right. not only above ground growth but also the root systems. Well, yeah, I I I, I like spectricide stuff. Okay, it's cheaper so. Weed and grass killer. I've used it for years. All right. So at any rate, so you'd leave. Okay, that makes sense. And then come back. And then I was saying, now the bottle says don't do this more than twice in a season, okay? Right. Um, so I'm thinking that um, if we came back then in the last week of August, because I don't want to plant, try to plant seed yet. You know, I want right. to wait till early September. So if I come back in late August, and apply it again and then give it a week's rest. Would that, do you think that makes sense? Yeah, as long as they're not, you know, it doesn't impact any kind of new seed that you're going to put in the, because for, I mean, no, this, I mean, this, yeah, once we seed, we're done, except for watering. In other words, I want to get this as weed free as I can get it before we seed. And then this, I got a guy coming in with a big aerator. We're going to aerate the heck out of this. This was fresh topsoil. And so it's pretty good soil, and it's pretty still pretty loose and soft. And I think if he just aerates the heck out of this thing, and then we spread the seed and some fertilizer, I think I, I could get a lawn. You could you? do a seed starter fertilizer, but I would consider putting a you know a quarter to a half inch of compost on it just to help just the soil in general, even though this may be some kind of t- you know top rated uh, topsoil. Still, compost well, is going to be to the advantage. Yeah, but fifteen thousand square feet. That's a quarter. Yeah, that's a quarter acre. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a lot. Well, and, and, and plus, I got to pay this guy to do it. I'm helping my neighbor with it. He's he's a tightwad. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to keep this thing under control so he doesn't get freaked out. But that's, you know, so I mean, I'm. I think we'll give it a shot. We can always overseed it in the spring or something, I guess. I yeah, you're going to be overseeding for about the next five years, to be honest with you, in spring and right. in fall both, with a major you know, time in fall. So thanks a lot, and I greatly appreciate okay. it. And uh, we'll be back oh, after hey, the news. Thing, so this, we got to run. We're out of time. Yeah. Sorry. Can you just hang okay. on? We can we talk to you for- when we come out. Okay, I'll hang on. Yes, folks, it is the tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly. But right now, you can give a call. We've got some phone lines open, and David's still hanging on. We were trying to get his questions all answered, but uh, we ran out of time. I 
these computers, they say, you better stop. No. Anyway, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And, Mr. Kelly, when you were in Colorado mm-hmm. last week, yes. Uh, how about who's taking care of the birds in your new home? Well, I tried to leave enough that they would survive most of the week. The really? hummingbirds, yeah. And actually, yesterday, so I, I came in early yesterday, did Total Information AM, so I didn't get a chance to put out uh, the feeders I usually put out in the morning. Now, there's some that are there overnight, but the raccoons tend to come up and shake them, and then they <laughs> lick the droppings off the ground, you sure. know. And so sometimes they're empty in the morning. Well, apparently, <laughs> Sue called and said, hey, the birds are at the window, and they're wondering where you are. Where's the food? So I, when I got home, I went ahead and made sure that they were taken care of. So do you mix that yourself? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. I, I've, it's really nice because in the house now, we've got a garage that has a sink outside, and so I can do it all outside. I got the sugar out there, and every day I clean them up and feed them new food. And they're, Wow. They seem very happy. We've got a pretty good collection going. Already? Not quite where we were, but yeah, we got about a half dozen or so right now, and they buzz around and... They seem to enjoy it. <laughs> then we got a, another feeder or two in the on the back, and so every now and then that gets visited. And also, I went ahead and what I did with the raccoons in the back, you know, they they crawl out onto the pole that we hang the feeder from. Right. I took push pins and put them on the pole so that when they step on it, it hurts. Oh. So last evening I got home. I, I came in from, I guess, mowing or something, and I looked in the back, and there's a raccoon, and he's trying to get up there, and he stops, and then he sees me, and he looks at me. Like, what are you trying to do? <laughs> so he realized he wasn't going to get up there, so he started walking away. But before he walked away, he turned and stopped and looked at that bar and really studied it. And then he walked away. And I'm thinking he or she has got a photographic memory of what that looks like <laughs> and went back to the woods to plot how today she's going to get up there and get to that seed because they're very smart. They're very devious. Right. So I'm going to see what they come up with. Wow, what a story. <laughs> it's a battle, man. I yeah, tell you, I it's really, a battle. Yeah. Yes. Brian versus the raccoons. That's it. <laughs> if they're not careful, the electric fence is going to come back out. <laughs> so I'm just warning them. Ah, great. Yeah. Well, thanks. You bet. Yes, folks, and thanks to you for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection for hairs, ups and downs, and all arounds of annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, tree shrubs, vines. Or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path that will take you to to success, but strictly offered for you to consider. Across the big board, that's Drew. He's the one that's producing. He answers the phone, so he just needs to know your first name when you call. I do landscape consulting on weekends and during the week. And uh, today, after the show, I'm headed over to Ladue. Actually, to see somebody that I have known for a long time. But they've got, she's got, she's a perennial person, a perennial expert, but they've got some trouble with some of the trees, and so I'm going to help her with that. Tip of the trials, a special recognition, an individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to several different garden centers, gardeners of St. Charles. These are plant societies, basically what they are. 
the Garden Society of Wildwood, the Gateway Rock Garden Society. What these these are just groups of people that get together to have special interests, and it's amazing. The Gardeners of Florissant is another one of the groups. Four Winds Garden Club. So you can go. I mean, they meet at various places throughout the metropolitan area, and consequently, if you've got a very got an interest, you can just do a search. And whether it's daffodils or whether it's a rock garden or whether you just want to kind of meet with some people and uh, learn you know, from their experience, that those plant societies are just, they're absolutely wonderful. So tip of the trial goes out to all members and all the plant societies throughout the metropolitan area. So anyway, let's try to go ahead and get a call in before we take a break. Let's go back to David because he's been hanging on since all the way through the news. Hi, David. Yeah, hi there. Um, yeah, the last question was about straw. I've heard, I've heard two opposing views on whether. Again, we're well. First, we're going to uh, plant this seed first week of September. Right. And I've, I've got an uh, irrigation system I can set up that'll keep it, you know, moist the way it needs to be. So at that point, I've heard that straw is not recommended just because it will carry additional weed seeds. Does that sound right? Well, it potentially could carry weed seeds, but also it's just not – a lot of times if you don't get it down just right, it can create a humidity problem, and newly germinated seed is really prone to you know some fungus situations that could actually be deadly to the new seed. I've never really been a fan of spreading you know the straw. Okay. Yeah, me either. Okay, that that was my only question. I just wanted to verify. Well, thanks for hanging on. Okay, you bet. Thank you. Yep, so let's see. Where should we go now? Uh, let's go to Eric's yard. Hi, Eric. Hey, how are you this morning? Hi. Two questions. I seem to have blossom rot on my tomatoes. Is that something I did, or do I need to treat anything different in my soil? It probably is. I mean, it could be related to several different things. But a lot of times, blossom end rot is related to the fact that the fertilizer you were using didn't have enough calcium. And that's one of the things. Oh, okay. So if you're not using regular tomato food, then it's not going to have that necessary calcium in it. Oh, I guess. Let's see. I guess it got disconnected. Where she should go over to Pat's. Hi, Pat. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, I have a pecan tree that's over 25 years old. It, it's big and it's beautiful, but it never gets decent pecans. Is there anything I can do? The pecans are always dried up, not a good taste, and not a whole lot of them. <laughs> not too much, I don't think, you, you're going to be able to do. I mean, uh, you could go to the University of Missouri Extension Service and just put pecan trees in and see, you know, what the situation is, if you could do something differently. But uh, probably if the tree's healthy and everything looks good, it's just, you know, it may be just the variety that it actually is is not a good, you know, good producer. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you very much for your help. Sure, my and pleasure. I've been listening to you for over 20 years, okay? Whoa, all right. <laughs> well, thanks, okay, Pat. Mike. Yep. Uh-huh. And Bye-bye. now let's see. Let's go over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi there, Mike. Hi. Uh, first, first, I want to thank you for being on my show. 
we are going to have you back every week because you're because you're pretty good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I have a Chinese ornamental cherry tree that I planted maybe 12 years ago, and this thing took off. It's so it grew like twice as big as it was supposed to. Uh, but I think it's because I planted it right next to a stump that I had cut another tree down. So I guess that new tree had a lot of food to eat you know, <laughs> with the roots. Yeah. But uh, my my question is, uh, is, is there a certain time of year where I should have this topped off or whatever? Because it's, it's getting quite uh, broad and and it's just, and I'm afraid it's going to, breaking two one of these days. Well, it shouldn't. I mean, they're pretty tough and pretty strong. I'm assuming this is a Kwanzaa and cherry. And so, it's, you know, with, with spring flowering and everything else, uh, just, you know, just to kind of drop it down as far as size goes, That and is it causing trouble because it's growing too close to your house or something like that? If I was you, if you can just leave it alone, I'd leave it alone because it is going to hit well, it, to a certain point where it's not going to get any bigger. Right. Well, it is getting close to my neighbor's house, and then that's, uh, uh, and I'm thinking if one of those branches breaks off, because it does have on the trunk itself, the trunk is a, at least two, two and a half feet wide. It's Whoa. Not supposed to, I know, it's not supposed to be that big. No, that's and, not a Kwanzaa cherry. No, and it's and it's got lines in the trunk where it looks like it, was the bark was starting to split and then it healed, you know, and I, and you know, in a, in a few places. So I'm thinking I have to top this off or else cut it down and plant, but I don't want to start over again. But, uh, but I just wondered if since, since this is a Chinese ornamental cherry, is there a certain time of year that I should not, have it topped off? I should no. wait or something? You oh, should okay. just wait until the foliage falls and then get a you know a tree service to come out and take a look at it. Okay, okay. All right, I think that's exactly what I'll do. Thanks, Great. Mike. Yep, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, this is the time of year before you start doing anything with your cool season lawns. You should probably get a soil test done to find out what your soil is all about because that can make a, have a huge impact on fertilization and all kinds of other factors as well. The University of Missouri Extension Service does a soil test. The results should be any place but, well, it depends upon the time of year. But 14 to 21 days, you should get the results back. So you can go to the University of Missouri Extension and find out exactly how to take you know, the sample. And then there is a place in Kirkwood that you can drop your sample off or you can send it down to Columbia to the University of Missouri Agriculture Department. Let's head over to Eric's yard. Hi, Eric. Hey, again. How are yeah. you? Sorry we got <laughs> troubled. No, it could have been me. So with the blossom rot, it was calcium. Right. <clears throat> And um, does the effectiveness of fertilizer deteriorate with age? Because I probably did use some old stuff this year. Well, it's, it can, but if it's, you know, if it hasn't gotten wet, if it hasn't been contaminated <clears throat> by something or anything else, it should be okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a good thing if you've had it for a while and have it in it. You know, so it could be, you know, let's say 
any any kind of environmental factor could have an impact on it. Okay. Okay. And then I do the, you know, the raised garden beds where you like intermix. So it's not like all just tomatoes and, and whatnot. Right. Is tomato fertilizer a good enough general fertilizer that I can just put, you know, and it'll be fine for green beans and other things like that? Well, it's, you know, it's just maybe the additional experience or expense, not experience, but additional expense as a result of that. But you can use, again, uh, I would, you know, in this situation, since you seem to be, seem to like to grow a lot of different things, even though it's a raised bed and everything else, get a soil test done and find out what there is because that's going to tell you, well, you can go ahead and use a fertilizer, but make sure the fertilizer doesn't have you know, or has low amounts of phosphorus or potassium or whatever it happens to be. Okay, that's good. Uh, the, the, the second question, we ripped out some landscaping and put in like the emerald green arborvitaes, the ones that get three to five feet and maybe 10 to 15 feet tall. Uh, their, their color has definitely changed since we planted them in the spring, and they're looking a little more yellow. Um, is that telling me too much water, too little water? Is it just because they're planted and we've had such an awkward season, you know? I don't know how to read the tea leaves in this one. <laughs> uh, now, what what plant was that? An emerald green arborvitae. Oh, yeah. If they're, just, if they're discoloring, that's not a good sign. And it could, you know, it could indicate that it wasn't, you know, planted properly or the soil just wasn't a good, it's just not a good spot for it. Just make sure that, you know, this location wasn't wet or anything else. And with all this crazy rain we've had, it could be adversely impacting, but if it's, if they're losing color, that's not a good sign. Okay, um, I'm sure they're not to the point that we're like they're. It's beyond fixing. So how do I how do I address it? Just pro, you know, don't rush out. Don't put fertilizer on it. Don't do anything. Again, go. You know, if the soil is, you know, if it's alkaline, they need to have an acidic soil. Again, that's what that soil testing does. It kind of indicates some of these factors that can have an impact on, you know, especially new, you know, new installations. Okay. So start with the soil test for both places and go from there. Right. Exactly. Happy Saturday. Yep. Same to you. And now let's go over to Roseanne's yard. Hi, Roseanne. Hi, it's Roseanne, and I just wanted some information about... A redbud trees, and also a crepe myrtle. And thank you for your service. Sure. <laughs> um, the redbud trees, I'm interested in, there's about, on each side, two branches, and they come straight out with nothing on them, and then at the tip, you've got the leaves and the pods. And I have pods on the trees. I'm wondering, can I cut those branches, or trim them, rather? Uh, if you're going to do that, don't just stub them back. Because if they're the lowest branches, then the branches that are higher up are going to overshadow them, and oh. then the ability of that stub to push, you know, to be able to push out any kind of growth or anything, foliage-wise, flower-wise, or anything, is going to be really diminished. Okay, how how should I cut them then? Uh, you should if you if you want to get rid of them, you're going to have to cut them all the way back to oh, and just okay. you know whether whether they're attached to a bigger branch or to the trunk. Just leave about a quarter or a half-inch stub. Oh, okay, but it's okay to cut them with the pods on them? Oh, yeah, the pods are just seeds. That doesn't have anything to do okay, with it. Okay, good. I, that's what I was wondering. And I have a crepe myrtle, and it looks like it's beautiful. Everybody says that the top of it gets more flowers than the bottom. I think maybe uh, it was trimmed or something too no, soon? 
This is just how they do. This is what they do. Oh, okay. The crape myrtle, that's just their flowering habit is to be basically up there as opposed to down here. All righty. Well, uh, that's wonderful news. I'm glad I I called you. And (laughs) my husband and I have been listening to you for years, but he's not here no more. He's in heaven. So I try to get you when I can on Saturday mornings. Great. Well, thank you. And thank you. Bless you. And take care of yourself. Be safe. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And now, Bye-bye. let's head over to Sue's yard. Hi, Sue. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I, I have uh, a question about plants that have grown so big. Uh, I can't transplant them anymore. I have a croton that's about five foot tall, and um, and uh, what am I trying to think of? Uh, it's a Florida uh, palm tree. Um Do you have any recommendations on how I can find somebody to help me transplant or to transplant, period? Uh, You're trying to transplant them just into bigger pots to have them in your own house? Yes. I would say go to your favorite garden center and ask them if they have somebody on their staff that would be able to help you. Okay. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, because, I mean... There's no other way to, you know, sort of like say, well, try this or try that. But uh, this, you know, their staff members should be able to, especially if your garden center is not a big box store. I mean, nothing against big box stores, but a year-round nursery that has staff. And if they if they don't have any staff members that can or will do it, they should be able to recommend somebody that will. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And let's go ahead and head over to uh, Gloria's yard. Hi, Gloria. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Okay, what is pre-mailing you talking about for the yard? What What is is that? I I didn't understand what that question was. I was saying pre-mailing, whatever you were talking about for the grass. What is that? Pre-emergent? Yeah, pre-emergent. Okay, pre-emergent is what that does is a chemical that you put on the ground, and then if there's any kind of weed seeds or any kind of seeds at all, really, that start to germinate, it kills them at the germination point. But what is the what do you buy? Weed and feed? No, no, no. It's a pre-emergent. You go to your favorite garden center and tell them you want a pre-emergent. Oh, okay, okay. It's a chemical in and of itself. Oh, okay. Is is it older when uh, all the weed and feed liquid is? Is that, is that what it is? Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's an herbicide. Yes. Oh, uh, okay. And next question is the cannas that I started in the fall. I mean, in the winter, and they big. Can I put those in my yard, and they'll come back? Uh, it's going to be somewhat iffy. There's a lot of you know a lot of areas that I see where people have planted cannas in their landscapes. Most of the time, they're in, you know in a protected location, close to a house or garage foundation or things like that. But uh, they've had great success with them coming back year after year after year. But you in just you never know. Oh, okay. I'm gonna try them. If they don't, I'll I start some. I mean, uh, I start uh, some more. But I would. Asking you about my boxwoods, you said something about don't cut them. When can I trim those? 
uh, I would go ahead and just leave them alone. Hopefully, they you you know you can handle it, and basically just wait till we come out of winter time. Either that or get them pruned. It's a little bit intense as far as the sun right now. If you can get it done in like early September, then you, I would go ahead and prune it then. Or th- if you don't do it then, wait until we a uh, Valentine's Day for you know. Ides of March type circuit. I was going to do them now because they look really bad. Yeah, just watch out about pruning when it's the sun's this intense because you could sunburn the foliage, the leaves that are still there. So we're supposed to have some cool days, but you said wait till September, though, didn't you? Yeah. Early uh, September, okay. around Labor Day. Uh, okay, uh, then. Thank you. Have a good day. Sure. Thank you. And Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314. 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the Voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, back to the phones we go. Let's head over to John's, and he lives in Ladue. Hi, John. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Hi, Mike. Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't. I'm sorry. I Hello? Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead, yeah. Uh, I live in South City around Bevo Mill, and the city have been planting oak trees. And I was curious, I know you're kind of in that neighborhood, if if you had any idea what kind of oak trees that they're planting. Well, you can tell the difference if the, the edge of the leaf is roundish, then it's a white oak group. If they're more pointed looking, then it's a red oak group. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll check that out. Thanks. Yeah, that's a good way to, you know, just to kind of check it out. So I guess it's coming up with everybody's calling from Ladue, and I thought, oh, that's impossible. So you you live in my area for sure. (laughs) So, yeah, there are planting a lot of oak trees, and that's to replace a lot of the ash trees that they had to take out because of the emerald ash borer. Sounds good. Thanks, Mike. Yep, thanks. And let's head now over to Chris's yard. Hi, Chris. Hey, Mike. How are you doing today? Very good. Good. Hey, um, earlier uh, um, someone was calling in asking about groundhogs. And so I just wanted to um, say a couple things about that. I I live on a property, and I have uh, two barns. One's an equipment barn, and... The groundhogs have decided that that is the best place to dig their burrows. So really? I have tons of burrows in there, yeah, and lots of dirt that I have to kind of move around all the time. Um, by the way, they're pretty nice when the foxes are having their kits. They uh, they vacate temporarily and let the fox, the red fox, come in and raise his uh, kit until it's time <laughs> for them to go. Uh, but uh, yeah, they so. So, um, yeah, they don't destroy anything in there. All they do is um, dig a burrow and then back. I have some property, and they I've had burrows back there that I'm assuming is, are them. Uh, I also have an opossum that lives in there and some other stuff. I put a trail cam in there when the foxes were there and caught all these other guys. And, um, and it likes to go down to the lake and went swimming one day, and my dog went down with it and picked it up and threw it up in the air. So um, <laughs> they're pretty durable, too. So just, just wanted to let you know that. I, um, I do have one other question, um, and I've asked you this before, but my memory is bad. 
Uh, I got, I'm planning to start digging up some cedars with my backhoe, you know, larger, um, not, not huge, but just a little bigger. Um, and I heard you earlier talking about time to, to transplant and move and plant. Um, so when is a good time to start that process? You know, any really, once we get past this, let's say, potential really hot weather that we're having right now, then you've got basically three months, so from, let's say, Labor Day all the way up until Halloween. Okay. Well, that wasn't three months, but, I mean, it kind of gives you that. You can do it even later than that if you want, but uh, the earlier you get, them, get it done, it's just the ground is warmer, and that helps, you know, the root system get established that's the, sort of the advantage of doing it earlier in the fall as opposed to later in the fall. There's not a problem doing it later in the fall. It's just for the root growth and everything else, by doing it earlier, you get more root growth. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So if I, if I catch a good day right now, could I, like, go out and dig around it and then maybe put a bunch of mulch or something around it so it's just sitting there ready to move as soon as the weather changes? Or yeah. Should you I wait till? Yeah, you could certainly do it in a, you know, a step-by-step process. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, hey, thanks for uh, your show, our show. Well, thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. And now let's head over to... Let's see. Where should we go? Let's go over to John's. Hi, John. Hello. Uh, yes, my question is about uh, cucumbers. I planted them, you know, in, early in the season there, and they're about five foot tall, and I got uh, a bunch of them together, and they're about, well, maybe four or five foot round, but I haven't got any cucumbers off of them yet. Have and what seen? happens is the, they flower, and I've been fertilizing them every two weeks lightly, uh, you know, like the package, so I was just kind of sprinkle a little bit on the top. Uh, should I cut the flowers off before they fall off? Or, I mean, it's like there's just nothing except a lot of green. <laughs> <laughs> so are these cucumbers that you've grown from seed or are they cucumbers that you bought that were growing? No, they're, they were uh, cucumbers from seed. Okay. So the only thing I can think of is... You're cutting the flowers off doesn't do anything because the flowers are there to attract the insects, you know, or to have the wind, you know, pollinate or whatever it happens to be. And then when the the petals fall, then what's left where the flower was, that's where actually the cucumber should be forming. So if you're not getting that, then it's probably hopefully you save the seed packet and you don't get that variety of cucumber again. Oh, Okay. <laughs> All right. I thought there was something magical I could do to, to get them to start growing. No, you know, if you're not getting any kind of, you know, production at all, at least cucumbers starting to grow, let alone mature, then it's, you know, we're really kind of getting towards the end of the time when you could expect anything to actually happen. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. You sure. have a good day. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go to... Uh, Let's see. Let's go to Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. 
Yeah, Mike? Yes. I've got a crepe myrtle muskie, I guess it's called. Uh, it was put in in November. It's about 15 foot tall. And some of the leaves are turning yellow. I have watered it each week about an inch. Um, and also at the bottom of it, it's got shoots coming out. Do I remove those shoots or let them go or what? Now, this is a, a crepe myrtle shrub. Is that what you're talking about? No, it's a tree. Crepe myrtle tree. Hmm. That's what they, it's it's a muskogee or something like that. Yeah, the, the trees are a little bit you know iffy as far as the hardiness goes here. But yeah, the sucker growth is coming off the root system. So if you want this to stay as a tree, and you said it's 15 feet high? Uh, it's about, I would say, good good 15, yeah. Wow. I mean, that's huge. So good luck with that. And anyway, yeah, I would just, you know, if it's, it was planted last winter, is that what you said, last November? November. Yeah. November. I would not, I would leave everything alone at least for another year or so. Don't cut anything off. Don't do any pruning. Don't, you know, the sucker growth coming off the base of it, just leave that alone because that's going to contribute foliage, and that foliage is going to help just, the, you know, the, the crepe myrtle to get it acclimated in the new situation by creating, you know, by making chlorophyll. So just leave oh, okay. everything alone for the first year or two. Okay. Thank you for your service. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, let's head over to Vicki's yard. Vicki, how are you today? Hi, I'm good, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I got a question about um, watering trees and shrubs. Actually, we had this landscaping project done this summer, and unfortunately they didn't get a chance to get our trees and shrubs put in until the first week of July. <gasps> and they just said, you know, I know, water them every day. So we have been, and everything's still looking decent. I mean, we've got a few leaves burning here and there. But it's taken us so long to water that we decided to get these um, the bags you put around the trees that slowly drip. Sure. Um, we got the donut kind for a couple of them, and then we got the stand-up. And it, I think it says it holds 15 gallons. But I'm wondering, it says it takes like five to nine hours to drain out. Do we, and it says to do it twice a week. Should we do it twice a week or should we do it more often? Or should we fill it up every time the bag is empty until, you know, the weather cools off? I would just follow the sort of the guideline of the people that developed it. So twice a week should be adequate. They're probably saying twice a week in reality for plant material that's been installed for a while. But how long have these plants been in? Only a couple weeks? They went in the first part of July. I think the first week of July yeah. is when they put them in. So I would just go ahead and do it, uh, you know, Basically, what they say twice a week, because okay. it's going to it's going to trickle, and it's a lot of times if we use you know let's say hoses or something like that, a lot of the water's not going right where it's supposed to. But with these kind of uh, you know let's say drip system circumstances, the water's going exactly where it needs to. Yeah. Oh, good. So we shouldn't water in in between, just the twice a week, like the package says. Yeah, unless we have a really windy, you know. You know, circumstance, because wind dries out the soil very, very fast. So if we have super windy days, then maybe do some watering the next day. But other than that, you should be okay. 
Okay, excellent, because it's taking us hours to water every day. (laughs) Okay, well, thanks a lot. Sure. Now let's head over to Dan's yard. Hi, Dan. Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, So I have two big weeds that I'm having battles with. Uh, One is nuts edge, and the other is the spurge. Um, Can I pull – I know I have to get, like, nuts edge ender or something like that. Right. Right. I was going to spray that, but can I pull that stuff before I spray it? The nutsedge? Yes. No, don't bother pulling it. I mean, go ahead and just spray it because if you pull it, the what you know the problem is a lot of times when you pull it is there's little nutlets at the end of the white roots when you pull it up out of the ground. It just releases the seeds, which are those little nutlets, and then you end up with more than what you had. So, uh, you know, I would okay. use the herbicide. All right, and what about for spurge? That's going to be hard to kill, too. Yeah, the spurge, I would go ahead, and you can use a broadleaf weed killer. You can pull that because it doesn't okay. have, you know, I mean, as long as you get the root system out, then you should be okay. Spurge is right, an annual. It is an annual weed, though. Okay, and the last thing real quick. How tall do dogwood trees get? Uh, depends upon the variety-wise, but uh, some some place, let's say, between... 15 and 18 feet with probably an equal spread. Okay. All right. Perfect. Thanks so much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's see if we can get another call in. Let's go over to Linda's. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, My brother cut the grass, and then we got some naked ladies. So my my questions are about naked ladies. What I'd like to know is where did they come from? How long are they going to last, and can I get some more naked ladies? <laughs> yeah, you can go to your favorite garden center, and they sell It's a bulb, so you buy them. And basically what it happens is in the springtime, the leaves come up, and it, you know they're like wider green, dark green leaves, and then those leaves die down, and you forget that they're even there. And then a couple months later, then this shoots up the flower stalk. Oh, well, how long do they last? Because these just popped up out of the grass after he cut the after he cut the grass. Well, that has nothing to do with cutting the grass. It's just soil temperature wise. That's what triggers the actual growth. So, and probably weather wise is going to determine how long they last. But usually, oh. you know, eight to ten to twelve, maybe fourteen days, and then the flowers will start, you know, fading. Okay, so there's going to be just a short period of time. Yeah, exactly. So it's oh. not long time. Okay. Well, we were, we appreciate them while they're there. Yeah, they're great fun. I mean, they're. We, I don't have any in my landscape in this particular home, but I've had them before. But it's you know just kind of nice to you know walk by and just see. I mean, there, there's a house down the street, uh, Bob and Lori's house that they've got a nice whole row right in front of their house, so I get to enjoy them every time I take a walk. Well, great. Thanks for answering my questions. Sure. Thank you. And Paul and Carrie and Bob and Margaret, I'm sorry, we're just not going to have enough time. And everybody, we're really getting to the time of year. August is, you know, when we got to start thinking about lots of different things, if we're going to do new installations or if we're going to do any kind of lawn circumstance with cool season lawns only. So just take it easy and enjoy. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.